over this past season, there's been a person who has unexpectedly been a gift to me in Des Moines. See, when I, when I came here two years ago, it was four months and then a global pandemic. By the way, that um, is not a recipe for like ministry success. Um, that's not like what you're, you're planning for. And all of us have felt the strain of a global pandemic in different ways. But we've certainly felt it here in this community um, because it's just raised some stuff to the surface that we didn't know what to do with. And as we tried to deal with it, there were frustrations that came forward. And, um, and yet there was like just this constant place of feedback and um, this man who has been a gift to me. His name's Al. Um, there's a chance that you know Al Perez. Um, there's a chance that you don't. And all I ask is that today uh, you would be willing to receive w what it is. Um, Al's gonna have a different inflection in the way he says things. Uh, Al is going to embody the text in a different way. He's going to call us to a different type of actions with a different type of vocabulary. And this is a gift to us. Because if, if what we come into as a community is just the things of affinity, things that are like us, that's not evil. It just means that we may not have a chance to grow. And so I'm really grateful. Al is going to come up and share. I'm going um, to pray over Al. And then Al is going to give the gift of the word to us as a community. It's fitting in, in my mind because we are, um, we're wrapping up this series called Teach Us to Pray, where for the past number of weeks, we've been... Uh, joining Jesus' disciples in Luke 11, who, out of all that Jesus does, they say, Lord, teach us to pray. They could say, teach us to cast out demons, because that would be pretty dope. Or um, teach us to walk on water. Peter tried that, and, um, you know, he sank. So what, what do they do? Well, they want the, the heart of the Father. They want the heart of God, the heart of this community of love. And so they turn to their rabbi, Jesus, and they say, teach us to pray. And so from that place, we've just been asking, well, what is on the heart of Jesus when he prays? And so Al is going to kind of lead us into John 17. Um, we've been in John 17 for a minute. Christy has like basically, she did the authoritative teaching on John 17. We've just been riffing. Um, but, in, but in some sense, I'm, I'm just really grateful for you, Al. Um, and so I'm going to pray for you and pray for us. And then we're going to hopefully receive. Can I put my hand on your shoulder? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> I think at, at the core of, of our heart as a community, Jesus, is, is just that we want you. And so that's what we ask. And this is what we seek, is to be a community whose, whose desires and affections would be stirred up for you. Um, we just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would um, stand in Al, that you would preach through him and with him, and he would participate with you and listen to you, and that we as a community that is knit together by your spirit, that we would be willing to receive what you have. And so Holy Spirit, would you come? Not that we can stand here and um, usher your presence here, but would you join in the words and the worship of your saints? Yeah, amen. Amen, amen, thank you. Thank you, Kyle. It will be a little different this morning. This is my best impression of a millennial, the way I'm dressed today. Got my prayer hat for the, the series that we're in. And um, so um, I, I want to just give a little context so you wonder, who's this guy here? I don't know how many how often you guys have someone that comes in as a guest, but uh, I'm very familiar with the history of this church going back several years. Um, I've been, I'm very uh, connected to pastors and leaders in this community. Um, I spend quite a bit of time over here at Des Moines Police Department. I'm also a chaplain to that department. 
um, as well. And um, I'm, before I forget and my ADHD kicks in, or the Gravitate coffee you keep giving me over there, um, pray tomorrow morning. Uh, we'll be meeting with Chief Dana Wigert, and many of you guys are probably familiar with the fact that we've had an uptick in violence in our community, in our city. And as a result of that, he has reached out um, to pastors. So um, certainly, Gateway, you are very much a part of that family, a part of that peace. Um, Kyle is a part of that, that uh, core leadership team. Um, that we want to pray that God would use pastors and ministers. Um, and it doesn't matter, you wonder, well, what does that mean for us? Your voice, your heart, your passion uh, for this community and for this city um, is vital. It's very important. I get invitations to come to many of my friends, colleagues uh, in the city, and I decline them because I can't go to them. I'm here this morning by a divine assignment. Okay, so I'm here today um, because I believe the Holy Spirit wants me to be here and to speak something exclusively tailor-made to you in the text that we have this morning, okay? So uh, let me say this most importantly because over the last year, well, let me, let me do this. I'm going to pray for you. Can I do that? We're going to do something because I know them seats are hard and you guys need some cushions. Uh, so let's stand up for a minute if you can, all right? You can turn to John 17. Uh, verses uh, 20 through 23, I believe is my assignment. And sis, um, do this to me when it's time to shut up and be done. I'm cool with it, all right? So just, all right? So, um, so it's gonna be a little different, that's okay. Because we serve a God of divine disruption, okay? And, um, and so today, look at it as a very graceful, divine disruption for you because there is an assignment over this church, there's a calling over this work, and it's personified um, that movement and this beautiful couple up here and their children and their family. Um, unfortunately, when you heard him stand up here and say to you, you know, we came in here and all of a sudden uh, a pandemic hit. Um, I remember inviting Kyle, who I'd heard about his name and he was new, his first introduction to this city was sitting in a briefing at City Hall with the mayor and several pastors about violence then. And here we are again tomorrow. We have, this is how the kingdom of darkness and light are constantly advancing and constantly backlash and stuff that happens. And so um, there's a big slingshot that God has given Gateway. Make no mistake about it. And the most influential and the most well-known works in this city, and the most powerful, because I know them all, from Lutheran Church of Hope, I know the staff there, all the way down to storefront churches. I'm pretty well acquainted with pastors, black, white, Hispanic, Latino. He knows, he attends our Help Des Moines meetings. So there is something special that is hovering over this work. And I, I really believe um, he carries a type of word, a type of grace, and made for this time. You and your family have been made for this time. And so I wanna pray something today and I'm gonna ask Holy Spirit today to activate something, a stirring. If you don't get sleep at night, it's because God is trying to wake you in the night watch. And he wants to give you download for our community and our city. So after today, we're going to go 
and we're going to build the kingdom of God in whatever resource we have. If it's five smooth stones, if it's the jawbone of a donkey, if it's fishes and loaves, whatever it is that he's given us, we're going to utilize that to advance the kingdom. Amen? Let me pray for you. Spirit of God, first of all, I'm grateful and humble to even be here. Um, I consider it a privilege anytime we stand before the sacred desk and we share. And, and this morning is certainly an exceptional morning. This is the day that you have made. I rejoice and I'm glad in it. Why? Because you're moving. Even though the evil one has gotten press over the last two, three weeks with shooting after shooting and young person falling and uh, Lord, all the things we're seeing happening, not only locally, but around our world and yet the church cannot hide. But arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you, Gateway Church. And he is also a rear guard to you. And so, Lord, I pray today that the Spirit, uh, Lord, would just bring forth much fruit from this place. Much fruit from this place. Do great exploits through Kyle, his family, the elder board, and the men and women in this room. Today we ask you, God, that whatever it is we have, we say, here it is. It may not be much, but when you are behind it, we can accomplish much. The God of possibilities. Today, if someone is dormant because of hurt, I ask you, Lord, today that we leave and release the hurt today in this, in this place, and that we begin to move forward and trust you. Lord, I pray our eyes wouldn't deceive us in wherever we're supposed to be. But I ask you this morning, Lord, that um, you do an, a quick work, expedite time on Gateway's behalf. Redeeming the time for the days we live are evil. And so, Lord, I ask you that this mighty champion, this place that marches as one man, Gateway Church, would be instrumental in silencing and muzzling the voice of the evil one in Des Moines. I ask you right now that you use this pastor to be a voice not only for his generation, but also, Lord, what you are doing in this last days if you've made and fashioned a man after your own heart, like you did with David, this champion who is fearless to stand in the face of principalities and powers and evil wickedness that transports all around this city and operates through human agency. That, Lord, you also have your appointed champions. And so this day I ask you, Lord, that you would set apart, sanctify this couple, this church, to do something, Lord, that eye has not seen and ear has not heard and it hasn't even entered into their heart how you're going to use this place in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Don't be intimidated by me. That, that could be the Latino. I'm very demonstrative and very loud. So I may not need this. I can probably put this down, actually. Uh, but I'm, I'm being recorded, am I not? Uh, okay, so I better for internet purposes. Okay. Well, let's take a look at our text. And I'm going to share a little bit about something so I can give context to this and why I'm going to speak to you um, uniquely here. Let's look at John chapter 7 so I can stay on course because it would be very easy for me to say, hey, I'm letting the spirit flow. Which, by the way, my background is Pentecostal. So, but I often like to say I'm a reformed charismatic. So, um, 
So anyway, just so you know, um, John 17, I'm going to look at the New Living Translation. I'm a New King James guy, but I want to just, uh, I felt that this translation best um, personifies what I believe in the most, because prayer doesn't have to be thee and thou, and you know, I grew up in that generation of King James, was thee and thou, and you know, all that, and, and so... Um, and so sometimes prayer is simple. It's out of the outflow of our heart, right? We want to be able to pray some things that are in our heart and in our spirit and be able to pray and be able to just be simple. And, and, and I like to say just be straight up with God, um, whether I'm mad at God, whether I'm upset with God or whatever it may be, um, that I just, when, my, when I pray, I'm very, I can be emotional. There are times I'm just like, God, I just, you know, I just want to be free to express my heart and what's bottled up in me. Look what Jesus is praying here in John 17, 20 through 23. And this is in the New Living Translation. He's saying, I'm not, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I'm in you. And may be in us so that the world may believe you sent me. Verse 22. I've given them the glory you gave me. So they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me. And that you love them as much as you love me. It's an interesting prayer because a lot of people would say, well, based on 40,000 plus denominations we have all around the world and, and based on all the different types of faith, what is the right doctrine? What is the right faith? And there are often times um, in the work that I do, uh, one of the things that I look for when I'm working with multiple churches and multiple pastors are just those essential important things that we all can share in, in Christ. There are things that from denomination, to, whether you're a denomination, non-denomination, whatever that may be, it doesn't always mean that we can't work together as the body of Christ to accomplish things and be the church of Jesus Christ in this city and be effective to reach our city um, just because we come with different sticker, stickers and labels. The work of the enemy will use that and that's how he keeps the church divided in Des Moines is because if you're not a Methodist or a Presbyterian and I'm Pentecostal and you don't flow with the spirit, you see how the enemy traffics and works that way in the city church to keep us from accomplishing something together. I'm going to share with you some testimonies of when the church marches together in this city so that you understand that this isn't something that's ethereal or something that's out there that some other city is having happen or this isn't happening in Des Moines because that's not true. That's not true. God is working very powerfully. And oftentimes KCCI is not reporting it. WHO is not reporting it. But it's happening. It's happening. And in fact, I'm going to share something with you just in way of testimony. This will encourage young people. I have a buddy of mine that's a street preacher right outside North High School. This last week, he led 60 kids to the Lord by bringing sandwiches and soda and got them off campus to come on over there. Talk about a move of God. Get kids to come on over, have lunch 
off-campus street preacher. He works with, he works with human trafficking. He's, done, he's worked with, you know, prostitutes. He's worked with drug addicts, and had that happen just this week. Is that nuts? And if that was the only place, he also was going over to East High School, seeing the same thing. And of course, a couple of weeks ago, we had a shooting over at East High School. That I'm not going to share how close that came to my situation, but I knew the young man involved in that uh, scenario. And, and the unfortunate part about it is his mom's a minister. So how does that feel when you grew up in the church and you find yourself so far away from God and so far away what you grew up in that you find yourself almost fighting for your life and you're lucky that God's ministers of fire protected you while your car was all riddled with bullets. Last two weeks ago, this happened. I was just sharing with you guys a little while ago because we were talking about Central Campus where you guys were previously located. And what's interesting to note that won't get much press and even Des Moines Public Schools may not overtly admit it because I also work for Des Moines Public Schools is this. If you were to take all the churches that have served in this community out of the equation, Des Moines Public Schools would perhaps collapse from other supports within the schools. They heavily rely on churches to provide backpacks and meals and sports equipment. I can go on on tutoring, you name it. The body of Christ here in this city is very actively involved in the education mountain of this community. Very much, very important when we're marching together as one. Jesus here, he praised this for his disciples that first of all, that they be unified. And then he prays for the church, that's you and I, in the future. That, and a lot of people believe the fact that, hey, um, but we still so see so much division. It's funny that he invites me here because I can't tell you. I've had people with masks, people not with masks. I've watched more stuff go down in the last year over vaccine, no vaccine. How does the church march together and be what it's supposed to be when we've got those kinds of things and issues that we're contending with in the body of Christ? How does that happen? I can't even tell you how many pastors I've worked with. It's like, you know what? Um, I don't want to do that if they, you know, if they don't wear a mask or I don't believe in back. And then we want to argue over whether or not you should get the vaccine or not. While the enemy continues, you see how his strategy is, is divide, find ways. Do you know, about a year ago, in this city, you guys have been a part of some of that. Food pantries, I'm, I'm, we're pretty close. We got to be very close with the CEO of the Food Bank of Iowa. Here's what I'm, here's what I'm talking about. This just goes to show you what the body of Christ can do when we're unified. About a year ago, or a little over a year ago, um, the Food Bank of Iowa had been moving food pantries into the school system here. That was kind of the strategy so it made it much more accessible for families to go to their schools and get groceries. When the pandemic hit, because I had just come back from Florida with my family, when the pandemic hit, it was like our world just turned upside down in March. Every, no one knew the scope of what we were dealing with at all. What a time for, and thank God for this guy hanging through there because I can tell you there were pastors that started works in Des Moines 
that literally were on the verge of quitting or quit, by the way, because it was too intense to deal with trying to work with the work and yet you're dealing with the pandemic. I'm gonna talk very real this morning, so y'all just, just bear and stay with me, okay? Because you're important to this picture. That's why I'm here. I'm here, I'm here to charge you in this front of unity that we need you, okay? So when they had removed everybody from the schools, and you guys know that, because I'm not sure with Central Campus, they were kicking everybody out of schools. If you had a church in the school, if you, you couldn't even go into a building at all, nobody. So as you know, the last year has been virtual, been online, that's been the story. Well, it was at that moment in time, 23 churches across Des Moines region, and as 23 churches that opened up their buildings, there were nearly 80, almost 80 churches in this entire region, if you include the metro, that were involved in paying and serving our schools and our entire community. We had a call center and everything when the church came together unified. It made such an impression on the CEO of the Food Bank of Iowa that the church would do this, that she ends up saying, hey, can you guys continue this work on? Because the church marched together as one, unified. Jesus praying for the unity of the church in the future. A lot of people would say, well, we've got all this division and we've got all these, and especially today. But these are the testimonies of things that you don't know, maybe perhaps are happening in your city. Not everybody is divided in this community. I want you to know that. There is a place and a space for every one of us in this bigger scope of what God's doing. A few blocks over at the police station during civil unrest, I was out here with a couple buddies of mine. I got tear gassed while I was out here. Uh, it was total chaos in the streets at night. My family's watching the news. I got phone calls from friends like, saw you on the news, what's going on, are you okay? My kids are freaking out. Dad, is dad all gonna be okay? I'm out here in the streets while all this crazy, you know, is happening out here. And I'm praying, I got a couple buddies of mine, and I'm like, the voice up there that had control of the megaphone out there, I won't tell you who he is, well-recognized, well-known individual in community, but my first inclination is where are the ministers or the church's voice right now when our city is in upheaval, where is it? Like what you said earlier, there are gonna be things that come to the surface that you're going to see or experience and say, wow. And when I ran there, I'm like, this is where we need to be. I'm gonna show you what I'm talking about when we can march together. So a few blocks over here, and this is not whether or not you're for defund police or whatever. God, Romans 13 calls uh, uh, law enforcement ministers of justice. God calls them ministers, by the way. I've done quite a few officers' graduations. It's like an ordination service. You can feel God all over the, it's powerful, praying over law enforcement. It feels like I'm in an ordination service. We come over here and I had 65 pastors, African, African-American, Latino. We, 
covering the steps of the police station while they were trying to protect it over here. And I've got the footage to show. And we just grabbed that chief in the middle and we just laid hands on him and prayed over him. He just cried. And all his team seen it right there in the street. The governor was also there. So we got her too. We prayed over Governor Kim Reynolds as well. But the church showed up unified. The mayor was there. I was like, whoa. Whoa. What's going on here? This is the church? As a result of what happened there, with the, with the chief of police, do you know, tomorrow morning, after this meeting, I'm going to have 20 pastors of color that I'm training to be chaplains for Des Moines Police Department, because at a time when everybody was saying law enforcement, defund them, you know, there was a, a great onslaught of attack against our law enforcement, and no institution's perfect, by the way. There's, there's no church that's perfect, by the way. But because of that, the chief came to me and said, Al, would your pastors teach my law enforcement cultural proficiency? I said, sure. Because there were a lot of groups that wanted to get to him and tell him, you're bad, you're this, you're this, law enforcement this, you're racist, you're this, you're this. And you see what happens when we come together in the beauty of the answer prayer of Jesus in real time for Des Moines. God is answering this prayer in Des Moines. This prayer that Jesus prayed is being answered in the worst of days. But the evil one will put a mirage and make you think that evil is prevailing in the land, and it's not. Because the church doesn't get over there and call up Dan Winters to get a story on what we're doing. We work very covertly. But boy, we're powerful when we're marching together as one. You know, in my experience, I've been working with pastors, like I said here, I'm not going to drop names of churches, but I've discovered that people would tell me, Al, you need this big church to be behind you, and you need this. I've never needed the biggest churches in the city to have influence. I've needed Kyle McMahon's, just somebody passionate about God, loves Jesus. Come on, bro, let's do this. Let's do this together. Don't look at the size of your army. Gideon, 32,000. Who's in fear? Because you know what, right, right now? Cancel culture and everybody else is putting everybody in fear to speak up truth or anything else. Well, guess what? I'm not. And I'm coming with an army of pastors that are going to have our voice of truth be known. And we've earned our stripes to be there because we've served our city well. We've loved them and we've served them. And God is using that invitation to say, come now to the table. I've gotten calls from this mayor about, I, I'm going to tell you, I'd have him sit right here. In fact, if I invite him to church and I came here, he'd be sitting right there. Or any of them from, he's been there. We, we were, about a month ago, I invited the chief because his job was threatened. Uh, uh, Scott, the city manager, the mayor and two city council people to a meeting with pastors at a gymnasium full for lunch. And here's what I said. No agenda. We just want to feed you. And we just want to honor you. I got it all on, I got it all the pictures, I got the video, and we had pastors laying hands. Here's the mayor. He had his hands up. 
Don't let the devil tell you that the church, no matter where we come from, is not united here in this community to reach this city for Jesus. Now, I can get into this text and talk about, you know, unity, uniformity, and do all those kinds of things with you. But I want to give you, I want to give you real testimony of this answered prayer. Because it's real. When God prays, stuff happens. Because when God prays this, there's a man listening and a woman listening and hearing him. I may not understand it completely, but I'm all in. I'm all in. Gateway, there is a distinct anointing over this place. I love the language of this church. You get online. So it is in the heavens. Says to John, John the Revelation, come up here. That I may show you great and mighty things which must take place. Come here, I'm going to show you something. I'm going to show you what's going to happen. An invitation to come up and hear and see what God is doing in Des Moines. It's not always bad. But the enemy and the accuser of the brethren will always say, hey, did you just hear about church such and such? Yeah, yeah, that pastor quit. Yeah, did you hear that church? Yeah, 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 they closed down. Yeah, did you hear about this? Did you hear about that? That's the ministry of the accuser of the brethren. Have you heard about the most awesome things that are happening at Gateway Church? You got to go check it out. You got to go see what God's up to in that place. There's a beautiful calling for this church to see something that not everybody sees. And it's interesting that Jesus would use the word may they, may they be one. There's also a response for you and I to engage and partner with him and be the answer to this. As he correlates his relationship to the Father, I've often found this. I'm going to tell you just personally for me. That's why sometimes you've got to pray for me first before Al leads a group of pastors. Because sometimes in my mind and in my head, I can look at me and where I fall short. I love the beautiful liturgy here. Because there are pr people probably came in here today and without praying that, bro, or walk, came in here like, okay, I got to come to church. But boy, I had a bad week. I had some bad thoughts. Boy, I, I wasn't the best dad or the best spouse or the best this, but to be reminded of the word of the Lord beautifully. Okay, let's take care of business because that's what we should do when we come in here into the house of the Lord. I can't tell you how hard it's been over the last year to navigate through masks, through vaccines, through black and white, through this, through this, and stay focused on what God wants the church to do. Because this city here, honestly, believe it or not, the mayor is not asking me if I'm Presbyterian. He's not asking me if I'm a Methodist pastor. He's not, they're not asking me anything about the labels. What they're asking is, if Jesus is real, okay, show up. I need to see that. Because that's the testimony that our city needs to see through the body of Christ is Jesus. We need to see his body at work, that the world may see and know that Jesus is working in this community.
It's not just about prayers and coming to church services and just doing all those kinds of things without us realizing that there has to be a testimony to that. Do you know in that same meeting when we had, when we were in the gym, Danner Winger, our chief, had such heavy stress that he came up to me afterward and he said, he said, man, I just felt like an 800-pound gorilla off my chest after you all prayed for me. Do you see the influence of the church in this community when we come together on behalf of Jesus? If you love Jesus, I don't care if you got a, hey, I got a buddy of mine, Ben Wedeking, probably not your traditional Methodist church in Grimes. And that guy's about a fireball for the Lord. Like, come on, bro. And he and I talk about all our dirt. I mean, I, hey, man, hey, I had a horrible week. You know, this and this and my childhood and that and that. And see, I, let the devil, I don't let the devil try to hide secrets. See, I don't let him play that game with me where he can like, okay, hey, you and Jody and I had a big fight this week. And so, oh, you know what? I yelled at Aiden and I kicked the dog and all those other kind of things. I don't let the devil at all play that condemnation game with me. Confession. Get it out. I have a daddy that loves me, a father that loves me. Most of us don't respond because there's something that God sanctified them or set them apart, knowing that God has set you apart to do something great. Can I share something very vulnerable? Because I have no problem sharing vulnerably. But let me just say this to you. I'm going to get real because this is, this is where, where it hits, hits home. Because sometimes going through struggling and suffering and going through hardship... Sometimes it's like, you know what, God, I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired personally. I remember when you guys had the baby, you know. I remember hearing about the baby and, you know, just hearing those stories and, you know, joking about get, not getting sleep and, you know, the things that happen when you're, when you're having kids. About 11 years ago, just when I started this workout, God, I have a 14-year-old boy, Aiden, who's taller than I am, you know, just not on my side of the family. Mexicans are short. I don't know. That may be Jody's side of the family. But God gave us a little girl. Listen to this. Um, I've been serving Jesus for 30 years of my life. I had a divine disruption over my life 11 years ago. Anna will be 12. Here I was doing a lot of work in the city, well known in a lot of different things. And all of a sudden we were excited about the joy of having now a baby girl, because I had a, a boy and that was my prayer and a baby girl. And my wife's a pediatrics RN, so you have to know, I'm grateful for even in that, that God, when he prays over stuff, takes in consideration. He knows the end from the beginning. When we start to see the ultrasounds, we recognize that there were some concerns and issues in that. Jody being an RN and a pediatrics RN knew some things but couldn't tell me anything because she didn't want me to worry about what was going on. Long story short, I had a daughter that was born with what they call Nager's syndrome. It's a globally rare disease. If you were born in pretty much any other country, if you had some, any kind of medical, you know, the medical field in other countries don't have the same kind of resources we have here, she probably would have perished. 
We didn't have a proper diagnosis until a year later, but essentially what it was is this. God hands Jody and I a baby girl and divinely disrupts our life with this child who was born with no thumbs, no ear canals, just membrane, a severely clubbed foot, an underdeveloped jaw, no cheekbones, and she was two pounds when she was born. This wedding band could go up her arm. That's how small she was. And I'm like, what? It's like, God, I've been serving you. And then you hand me this. What does this mean? What, what does this mean? In that, I realized at that point our life would never be the same. Somehow I knew it was God, but somehow part of me didn't want to bond, didn't want it, didn't want that responsibility, and I had thoughts of just getting in my car and driving away. I couldn't even tell you how intense it was. We would come to the threshold of death because Anna, when she was born, there were 21 doctors, 21 people in the OR when we had to have her come on out. I'm going to show you God's goodness in the middle of chaos. Her crisis OB would be a born-again woman, which I did not know. I was going into these meetings constantly, constantly, and I was silent. I wouldn't say a word. And this crisis OB would look at me and my wife and be like, huh, huh, huh? What time I got? Okay, hold up. Hold on. I'm gonna, okay. Let me finish this real quick, and then I'm going to have Kyle come on up here. But I want you to hear this. So in that situation, I was numb. I didn't know where the future was going to go. But what I did know is we're going we're to do what we can do. Anna, and trust Anna. So here I am as a dad, having a hard struggle to bond because I think she's going to die. So why do I want to bond with her? What does this all mean? So I'm entrusted with her. And Kyle, this is so interesting because in this prayer that we prayed here, for the first time in my life, and I've been a dad already with Aiden, I understood something different about the father's heart that I didn't have before. Aiden was fine. Everybody loves to have it raise a healthy baby. But what happens when you have to raise a special needs baby? Who, by the way, when she was born with no pain meds, they had to stick a small trach, the smallest they can, and just poke it through in order for her to breathe and not have brain damage. I stood there and watched while this was happening here in real time. I, mean, I, I can't explain to you, I have all the, the memories. I'm probably still being healed through a lot of this. But the point of this is this. Sometimes when God hands you something that doesn't look like the ideal, behind that is something much bigger and broader that you don't know that he wants to do. Kyle, I really believe and you know the leadership I have. I can call any of these leaders up in this community. I have access into the governor's office. I call her if I have to. I've sat on committees for her. Any leader you name here, I've been there. Okay? That means nothing to me. Because the most important entrustment God gave me was Anna. And when I looked at that, he's like, Al, that's the city church. I'm entrusting you with. And I'm like, this? 
no job. Because I love the church here. In spite of its issues and its struggles, there's a dependency the church has for me. Al, the same way Anna will depend upon you, is the same way the church is going to be dependent upon me. I've watched Anna be a miracle girl over the last decade or so, and God's hand and gracious hand, surgery after surgery, but every surgery, got, Anna got better. The point is this. Sometimes in the calling, because I feel like there's probably some church hurt or there's probably some kind of trust issues or some kinds of things that will come to the service that keeps you from wanting to fulfill everything that God has for you. I could have said at that point in time when God handed us Anna, I can't go on any further. This is too much for me. Sometimes there's interesting dichotomies in the kingdom. Sometimes pain in your life produces purpose. And I want to just pray this this morning for you because we're going to go take communion here in a minute. But I want you to know, Gateway Church, there's something God's entrusting with you that always doesn't have to look like, oh, wow, what a great opportunity. Oh, wow, that looks great. And your natural eye would be drawn to it simply because of the way, way it, you perceive it to be. Oftentimes, the greatest trust and oftentimes the, the greatest thing that God will do through you is giving you something that doesn't look like it's the ideal. It'll look totally opposite. But if you stay faithful, God will use it for his glory. I want to pray because today I'm recruiting for the kingdom. I said this before. My friend right up in here, um, he's a millennial. I'm, I'm a, what do they call it, Xer, Gen Xer. Is because Al Perez is not always going to be here, okay? If you got elders listening to me up in here, Al Perez is not going to always be here. That which you've seen and heard me, Paul says, teach unto faithful men. That torch has got to be handed off. Al is not interested in just going from meeting to meeting, being here and there. There's somewhere I've got to pass that voice off to. That's why I'm here. I'm relationally greeted first, and there's somebody here. This guy's faithful. We love him. There are people that just love him. And I'm telling you, there's great things and a great voice and a great influence that the father has prayed and brought a man and his wife from some other place and brought him here in the worst of times because God moves not based on what we see, not based on handing me an Anna that doesn't look like a fully developed girl. He doesn't give you to start a church in the middle of a pandemic. Gateway, there's an open heavens over this place. I say let's roll up sleeves and let's advance the kingdom of God and give it all you guys got.